0: Welcome to the First Baptist Church Fairview Podcast. Here's Pastor Dwayne. Go ahead and take your copy of God's Word. Let's turn together as we think about a ready defense, right? A ready defense. When people ask why you believe what you believe, do you know why? Why? you believe what you believe. And where will you turn in the word of God when they question scripture even? So go ahead and look at Matthew 4. And we're gonna look at Matthew 4 today as the key text, but I'll be in a lot of different places. Um, So as we think about scripture, I know it's happened to me, I guarantee you it's happened to you. You know, people will dialogue about the word of God in comparison to maybe the Quran Uh, other resources, you know, in our world. And and it goes like this. Why do you believe the Bible? Why is the Word of God your authority, right? You know, why do you believe it and is it reliable? Uh, Things like that. And then others will mock it. Some will try to do away with it. But what does God's Word say about the Word? (laughs) What does God say about Scripture, what I want to look at today, what does Jesus himself in Matthew 4 say concerning Old Testament scriptures? There's a lot there. So as you turn to Matthew 4, let me share this verse. Uh, the Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 15, always be ready. And it doesn't say when you feel like it or when you get around to it, but, but this verse says, Always be ready to give a defense of the faith that is in you, which means, you know, church, this is a, like a battleground this morning. We're equipping you to go out there. Amen. Amen. I'm sharing with you just nuggets of truth, passages of scripture. I'm giving you truth from God's word so you can go out there and make disciples. That's the point because the word of God is alive. We receive nourishment from the Word of God. And the Bible says all Scripture is inspired, not just some of it, but all of it. And it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness so that the man of God, the woman of God, the young person uh, can be fully trained in it to stand in this hostile culture. It blessed my heart yesterday. we got a lot of good stuff going on. How many people would say, man, there's a lot of good things going on at FBC? I I would say yes to that because I see it and I'm involved in most of it. I mean, this weekend, we have been very, very active in different places, not just at church, but we're, we're on the field. We're making impact. We are investing in other people. Stephen Bledsoe, where are you? You bless my heart. I'm out here trying to execute football plays right on Saturday. And I'm coaching my team to victory, at least I tried. And uh, the whole time I'm trying to catch that Tennessee-Alabama game at 2.30, anyway, we, we're not going to talk about it, all right, we're not going to talk about that game. But, but I tell you, oh Steven, he just focused me in. I looked over at halftime and here's Steven, he's bent down like this. He's got all these boys around him. And he said, Scripture says, here's the Word of God. At halftime, and we've had others, Brad Coleman and other, John Bledsoe, we've had other people do it, but it it just brought into light to me, that's it. We're using something for God's glory. We're using football, whatever, but we're investing in giving them the main thing, and it is the Word of the Lord. Can I get an amen? amen? Go ahead and take your Bible. Let's lift it up. If you don't have a Bible, lift up your tablet or phone. (laughs) We need the Word of God. You know, Jesus referred to the Word of God. If Jesus referred to the Word of God, not in his time of need because he was fully God, fully man, without any sin. So there's no issue with Jesus there. God allowed him to be tested in Matthew 4. He was tempted and tested, but he did not sin. It's not like he needed help, all right? But there's a point to the temptations of Jesus by Satan. God gave us that as a model, if you will. Jesus, in, in his testing in the wilderness, went back to Scripture. How much more do I need it every day? If Jesus referred to the Word of God, I know me and I, you know you. We need the Word of God every single moment of every day. And um, let me talk to you about the Word of God before we dive into Matthew 4. The Word of God, written over 1,500 years span, written over 40 generations, written by more than 40 authors, kings, peasants, fishermen, and scholars, written on three continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe, written in three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and what else? You tell me. What's that? Greek, Greek that's right. And there's one storyline for your notes. And I'd put this down. This is, there's one storyline of scripture and it is God's redemption of man. It's the worship of God and God is the hero. And God came down so that we might have everlasting life. You know, Barna Research says this about the word of God in a survey. Just over one third, one third of U.S. adults 34% 34% reads the Bible once a week or more, 34%. Well, half, 50% read the Bible less than twice a year. In between these two extremes, we find those who read the Bible more than twice a year, but not, only, not, but not on a weekly basis, that's 16%. So overall, one in six U.S. adults, 16% reads the Bible most days during the week. And that's up from 12% in 2020. What's my point? God's Word says it is alive. It's nourishment, it's powerful. It's like a sword, it will cut to the heart. It will help you, it will equip you. It is the very Word of God Almighty. And why don't we read it more? Hey, listen, maybe you are, maybe you want to uh, start afresh today. You need the word of God every single day. All scripture is God breathed. The word of God is living and active. And first Peter 2, 2, tells us to long for the pure milk of the word of God even. So pure means uh, undiluted, Right. So, a lot of us want the Word, but we mix it up with other information. A lot of people do that. You'll say on one hand, you know, I want the Word of God, but I'm going to listen to other viewpoints. And so, you, you, you read the Scripture, a lot of people do this. They'll, they'll read the Word, then they say, well, there's some error, you know, there's other issues, and uh, we can take it as a guide maybe, but, but, uh, but don't take it for, you know, for everything that, that it says. So, it's almost like we dilute it. How many of you like candied apples this time of the year? Well, you do, don't you? Yeah, hands all over. You like those apples covered in sugar and caramel, and and I like the chocolate. So you got candied apples dipped in sugar. Now, apples by themselves are a great healthy fruit, right? But once you dip them in all that sugar, however, you just killed the benefit of the apple. I'm sorry to tell you, but that is the truth this morning. Oh, that sugar is going to take you out. A candied apple is sweet, but its nutritional value is diluted because something with no value has been added to the apple. Brothers and sisters, many of us will read the Word of God. You're going to hear the Word of God. You'll study the Word of God. And then you talk to people about the Word. But then, here's the danger, you dip it in human viewpoint. Don't do that. There's always gonna be people to mock the word, to take away from the word. But here's my point this morning. What does Jesus say about the word? I want you to get what the son of man said. Let's read it, Matthew 4, one. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man should not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up. And that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus responds. On the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord, your God, to the test. And again, the, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you just fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, go Satan. It's written, you shall worship the Lord, your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. So in, in Jesus' three temptations here, these, these tactics by the devil, which he totally distorted the word of God. Jesus went back to the word. I mean, the word of God was central even in the life of Jesus. Let's take a sports game. Just name the game. You take a soccer match game. You, you take basketball. You've got a football game. You know, without the football, there is no game. <laughs> Without soccer, without a soccer ball, there is no game. Without a basketball, you don't have a game. Without a golf ball, you don't have a game. Why is that? Players can put on the gear. You can look the part. You can wear the helmets. You can walk in the cleats. But if there is no, there's no game without the ball, nothing really happens much in a game if you don't have the ball. Think about it. That little piece of pigskin, it controls a lot, doesn't it? just think about it. A touchdown is only a touchdown measured by where the ball is. A first down is only a first down measured by where the ball is. You're on side or offside in relation to that ball. Whether it's a catch, an incomplete pass depends on the control of the ball. Everything has to do with the ball. Three points or lack thereof depends on where that ball is. Isn't it amazing? You can have all the other stuff right. You can be on the field. You can have all your equipment. You can look so good, but you're wasting your time if you don't have the ball in the game. <laughs> Do y'all know where I'm going with this? In the Christian faith, it's possible to have a bunch of stuff right. You could have a lot right. You could look so good this morning and be so far from God. You can look so religious and be so far from God. You can look like you're in your word daily and be so far from God because you know you're not. You can go to the right church. You can carry your Bible. You can have all the right accessories of Christianity. Hey, guess what? You can even wear a cross around your neck and you can look like you're a Christian, but you may not be a Christian. If you don't have the main thing, everything else is just a waste of time. If you don't have the main thing, just like we can't play football without a football, we can't be effective Christians without the word of God, the gospel. You know, I want to give you three keys here. Jesus relied on scripture. Number one, Jesus viewed scripture as all authoritative. I mean, he did. In this passage, Jesus lifts up the word of God. So in the passage, you have the temptations of Jesus. Satan wanted to take him out. I mean, he wanted to completely take him off the scene, just like he wants to take you off the scene. He wants you discouraged. He wants you to think, man, you've got this. I mean, you you look like a Christian. People respect you. You don't need the Word of God every day. You don't need to forsake sin and flesh. I mean, you live it up because life is so short, right? And so Satan will tempt you and try you just like he did Jesus. He knew the cross was on the horizon and he sought to hinder Christ, to tempt him, to forsake all the, the will of the Father. Now, this word in the Greek, this tempt, is the translation to test. So God was allowed to be tested here. So such testing is a necessary part of life in revealing the true metal of a man. So let's think about Jesus real quick. Think about Jesus. Jesus testing here is more of a powerful demonstration of his capacity rather than, I wonder if Jesus will pass the test. (laughs) That's not the point. He will pass the test because God, Jesus was fully God, fully man with no sin. So it's not like, is he going to make it? This is a model for us. Jesus modeled in his flesh how we can overcome when Satan comes at you and discouragement comes at you and we get all wrapped up in our good deeds and what we bring to the table, what we've done, we need to go back to the word of the Lord. So Jesus' preparation for ministry involved a combination of pleasant experiences like the affirmation of his baptism, but also unpleasant experiences like Matthew 4. You've got other testings in scripture, right? You've got Abraham and Isaac and he was tested and he proved righteous, Abraham, by his willingness to sacrifice his son. Jesus was led in this wilderness, I believe to show the capacity of who he is, who he was. And, uh, and it's also for us, there's application. We make decisions every single day. How many of you right now, you're thinking about college? Anybody? Any of you adults? You're like, heck no. We got students. You're checking out college. You're thinking about the future. You're thinking about a job, your workplace. You're thinking about some crisis and how you're going to respond. We've got decisions every single day. And sometimes God allows us to go through this wilderness of testing. You're going to be the real deal when everybody leaves the word and leaves God. Are you going to stand up on that team? You're going to stand up in the workplace? You're going to take a stand when you know some things are wrong in your environment? Well, Jesus was tested. Physically in three and four, he fasted 40 days, 40 nights without food. Did you hear that? 40 days in the wilderness, no friends, no family, nothing, right? Nothing but solitude. Many times Jesus would get away with everything, get away from everything in life just to be in tune with God. So what's the point? Spending time with God, it's vital to your spiritual health. It really is. Your alone time, write that down, your alone time with God is vital. It's necessary to your spiritual growth. Is it possible in here for some people, you know, with your age to be so far in age, but so much like a babe spiritually? Absolutely. You could be 60, 70, 80 years old and be a babe in Christ. How's that possible? If you're not reading the word of God every day, you're not soaking it up. You're not reflecting on God and his word. I mean, man, I don't know how you overcome temptation and just daily struggles. But Jesus shows us something here. In his temptation, it was physical and then You know, if you are the son of God, then second test, let God serve you. Take a shortcut in your life, Jesus. Throw yourself down and see if he will rescue you. I mean, Satan is so distorting scripture here. So the highest point in Satan's second temptation refers to the highest southeast corner of the temple platform. And Satan said, hey, throw yourself down. But what does Jesus say? Don't tempt the Lord your God. He comes back with truth. You know, he comes back with truth. Then that third test, check it out. The third test is power. And what does Satan say? Let's go down, let's read it. If you are the son of God and six, throw yourself down. Jesus responds. Look at verse eight. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, look at nine, all these things I'll give to you if you fall down, and if you worship me. You see, Satan has always wanted to take the place of God. It's pride, it's arrogance and brothers and sisters in the house, we don't do anything in our own mind. It's not our ministry. It's not what we're doing. It's God working through us. Amen. Amen. It's not my preaching. It's not what you do. It's not your service. It's God working through us all for his glory. The Satan wants all the glory. He wants us to worship other idols, other things. And Jesus had that in perspective. Satan wanted, you know, he wants us as well to have a kingdom with all of its glory with no suffering. So this probably was the most appealing. Yet Jesus focused on the will of the Father. How out of obedience, just fall down and worship me. It's kind of like in your Christian life, take a shortcut. If you're struggling, uh, name it and claim it. <laughs> name it and claim it. You know, uh, the social gospel. Don't deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. Uh, don't suffer because you deserve more than that. And that's contrary to Christianity. Secondly, I want to give you number two. As far as Jesus' view of scripture, Jesus overcame Satan by quoting the word of God, by quoting scripture. Check this out. In fact, 92 occasions, Jesus and his apostles supported their position by saying, it is written. 92 times Jesus would teach and he would say, as it is written. You know, going back to Old Testament on so many occasions. So why? Because Jesus and his apostles considered the Old Testament scriptures to be the very written word of God and thus the ultimate authority for life. Now, let me ask something, you know, who is your authority today? What authority are you placing your life on? A lot of people, it's just money. It's um, prestige. It's their last name. It's whatever they want to bring to the table. but, But the Bible says ultimate authority is God's holy word. Hide it in your heart. Live it out and share it. And be ready to defend it. J.D. Greer says this, if Satan's main aim is to distract us from God's word, it makes sense that the primary way to overcome Satan's temptations is by intentional meditation on God's word. If you want to overcome something, something big in your life, I mean, you've got something enticing, something that's crippling you, whatever the vice is, how do you overcome that? The only way you overcome is by the very word of God, and I would include accountability. The very word of the Lord, and be accountable in a group with someone. Jesus countered every temptation with truth from God's word. Every temptation. So in a world in which the dominant religion is secularism and the lifestyle is materialism, we need to be discerning to understand God's word and above all, we need to obey the word of God. We need to do it. So Jesus quoted it because he knew it. He believed in it. It was all authority, which leads me to number three. Jesus even was subject to scripture. Jesus was subject to scripture. Jesus is truth. Check this out, look up here. Jesus is the word of God. God in the flesh, John one, Jesus is the word and he obeyed the word. So Jesus came to do God's will and not men. So he fulfilled all the prophecies about himself. Jesus himself was the word of God in John one. And all the words from his lips were the very word of God. So what does that mean today? Man, take your Bible and read it. Lift it up. We don't worship our Bible. We worship God. We read the Bible because it is the very word of God. You got it? So read it and live by it. It's alive. It's powerful. It's convicting. Uh, Quickly, quickly. I'd write these down if you, if you can. Jesus taught that scripture was the following, imperishable. Let me give you some proof, to, proof for that. Jesus claimed that not even the smallest little mark in the scriptures, the equivalent of a dot on an I or a cross on a T will ever perish. It will last, it's a lasting word it's an eternal word do not think that i came to destroy the law or the prophets he declared i did not come to destroy but to fulfill it now take scripture and flip over a page look at matthew 5:17 real quick read this with me matthew 5:17 and 18 for surely I say to you, I'm in 518 until heaven and earth pass away. Not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until it is accomplished. Do you see Jesus' view of Scripture? He placed complete um, focus on it, lifting it up. It's imperishable. It's also infallible. It's infallible. John 10, Jesus was about to be stoned for blasphemy. And to get himself out of this situation, Jesus began to cite Scripture from the Old Testament and declared the Scripture cannot be broken. He says that in John 10, 35. In other words, when his life was on the line, Jesus referred to the infallible authority that cannot be broken. So much in our culture is broken. So much is lost. So much people are losing. But I promise you, what will last forever when we're gone? The very Word of God. That's it. Let's read it. It's infallible. John seventeen seventeen. Jesus said this: "Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth." Now, some say, "Well, whatever path you want to take, you know, you've got you've got this path and this religion and this option, and we're in a postmodern day, so tolerate and just all roads lead to heaven." It's not true. Because Jesus said, it's not true. He said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the father, but my me. So it's only through the cross you can be saved. In- inerrancy. Jesus taught inerrancy of scripture. When the Sadducees tried to trap Jesus with a question, Jesus said to them, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God in Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine, 29. So he called them out. The implication is staggering. It's that the scriptures are inerrant, infallible. And then historically reliable even. And Jesus focused on some history in his teachings, right? He affirmed two of the most historically disputed stories in the Old Testament. I promise you, if you face this, tell me, because I have. You know, you look at the Old Testament, Jonah and the who, tell me. And, And some people will say, well, that was a great story. You know, that's a good story. That's a good fairy tale and uh, maybe a parable, maybe just a story that was used. But it's interesting to me that Jesus referred to Jonah in the well. It's also interesting. Jesus went back to Noah and he called these men out as uh, historically reliable. Noah and Jonah, he spoke of these stories as being historically true. And so that's just two um, reasons why we believe the Bible. Jesus believed the word of God, and so we know that Satan will flee at the very word of the Lord. Verse eleven, check it out. Verse eleven says that the devil leaves; he left Jesus. Angels came and attended him. You can compare Luke's account of the temptation, Luke four thirteen. You see the phrase "the devil left him." All right, at the very word of God, Satan will flee. I mean, that's a promise. And so we defeat, how do we defeat Satan? You're like this morning, how do I defeat Satan and temptation, my vices, my addictions? What do I do? By the very word of God. That's how. Young people, you need a copy of God's word. You need to read it. Adults, we all need to read it. We're in a battle and Satan is attacking all of us. So we trust in what Christ has done on the cross and we overcome Satan by trusting in his victory. So I'm closing. In the book of Revelation, we read that the brothers overcame their accuser, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by the word, listen to that, by the word of their testimony. Romans 8, 7 through 11, we have the indwelling spirit of God. We are children of God. Your spirit is alive because of the righteousness of Christ and his presence in your life. And the word of God is alive. So what does that look like when I open it? I'm in a crossroads. I'm being tempted. I feel like giving up in life. You know, everybody else seems to be winning in this game of life. And you're kind of struggling along. You open it up. It's alive. I'll never forget it. 15 years of age, I was asked to preach my very first sermon, and I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea, but I gave it the best shot that I knew how, and I said, Lord, you use me in that sermon, but at that point through different Bible studies, different decisions in my life, and I think back you know, dating in high school, sports, how I wanted to make a difference in school, the college choice that I I chose, all those decisions I remember, and I can show you in my Bible that I had at the time. I asked the Lord, Lord, you direct me. And he did. He will direct our paths. He will help us overcome. Friends, we serve a living savior. His word is alive and powerful. His word is is marching on when everything falls apart in this life. Make sure your bible is f- falling apart so you won't fall apart. You be in it and you live by it. I believe it from Genesis to the maps. I believe all of it because the Bible says all Scripture is God-breathed and profitable. I want to give some application. What's some application? How do we apply today's sermon? Read the Word daily. It's never been easier. Driving to work, you can turn it on. At home, you can read it. On your phone, it's there. It's never been easier. I will say this as a preference. It's something about just holding the Word of the Lord. Can anybody else testify to that? It's something about holding. I love the word of God. I love God's word. Avoid opportunities to sin. God will make a way of escape for you. He will. You belong to God. You have kingdom authority. And then last, memorize scripture. Lord, I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We love your word. Father, we thank you for coming down in the flesh, dwelling among us without any sin. Lord, you are sovereign in control. And Lord, we thank you for your death, burial, and resurrection. Lord, we thank you for your word. It's alive. I pray, God, as we equip families, as we preach your word, as we teach your word, as we live your word, as we speak your word, God, would you move in this place? Would you work this morning? Would you save sinners? Call out the saved. Lord, would you call us on mission? Help us, Lord, to avoid the evil. And he seeks to destroy your church, Lord, us. But Father, we know the gates of hell will not prevail. We know, God, we have kingdom authority. We have power from on high. and Lord, I claim that power because it is in us. You are in us. And so, Father, I pray for families who feel led to identify as members today. I pray for those who need to pray. I pray for those who just need to come to you. Lord, you work in this place. You work in this place. God, we'll give you all the praise. Speak, Lord. Speak to us. Help the hurting. Help the discouraged. Call out warriors for you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, We would like to help you take your next steps spiritually. Visit our website, fbcfairview.org to learn more about First Baptist Church Fairview. Thank you for listening.